Lord in heaven, we bow before you, uh, just ready for your embrace, just ready for the sense of your arms around us as a loving father, as one who's welcoming us home. Lord, we freely admit that we're wanderers at heart, and uh, we thank you for the grace that you extend to us in Jesus. We thank you for the way you're transforming us, Lord, by your spirit and by your word. And uh, just now, we just stop to celebrate this great love that you have for us, God, because it's oxygen to us. It's, it's the thing that brings us our life. And so I pray for the, just the manifestation of your love in every life here today, Lord, wherever a person is, for the ones who have been walking well. And, uh, you know, I just praise you for them and thank you for them. Let them feel your love. And for, you know, those of us who it just seem like we just keep coming back for more forgiveness, God, I just pray that the same expression of your love would be felt by every person, every seeking heart today. Thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for this place, this gathering. And I invite the presence of your Holy Spirit to come now and speak to us in the power of your word, your powerful word in Jesus' name. Go ahead and have a seat. Thanks, guys. Oh, good morning, gang. It's good to see you guys. Have you ever been ready to go somewhere, like anywhere? You know, you just, I get that every now and then. It's just like, I just got to get out of here for a while. Do anybody know what I'm talking about? Especially Ohio winter that can't make up its mind. I mean, it's like snow already, right? Come on! I know that our colors are scarlet and gray, but this is ridiculous, isn't it? Did I just say our colors? I've crossed a line. Wow. (laughs) You know, you just, uh, the weather forecast for this afternoon is rain, cold rain. It just sits on my especially the little itty-bitty cold drops that hit on my bald head and just make me want to hurt someone. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, man. One day I said to Karen, I said, we're getting in the car, you drive. And I looked at the weather map, and like Indianapolis was clear. I said, we're driving west until we get out of the gray. Just keep driving. We ate at an olive garden in, I don't know, Richmond, Indiana, or something like that, and Ah, you don't care about any of that stuff. I'd like to take you on a journey. I'd like to offer, actually, to take you on two journeys, okay? The first one starts tonight at 6 o'clock. It's a journey of discipleship. Uh, You notice in the Bible that Jesus trained his disciples, that they didn't come to him finished at all, and there was a lot of work to do with them, and it didn't even seem like he expected them to be finished But the part of his whole agenda was to embrace these guys who had been rejected by everybody else and bring them into his presence and transform them into disciples, followers. And I appreciate that principle in the scripture, transformation uh, principle in the scripture. And so from a place in my heart that really felt for people who said, "I, I need some help getting going. We started this thing 15 years ago called Discipleship Training, or DT for short. 
So when we say, have you been through the DTs yet, we don't <laughs> necessarily mean what often comes to mind. But this uh, series of courses or classes, training sessions, I guess you'd call them, called Discipleship Training, came from a place in my heart that when I first became a Christian as a young adult without the advantage of of a Christian upbringing at home, I didn't know what anybody was talking about. And it produced a high level of anxiety in me and fear, even to the point that, you know, I was reading my Bible and stuff and was just... fascinated by Jesus and all this stuff, but I didn't, I, I didn't know what everybody was talking about. I mean, I knew like David and Goliath and stuff like that, but I didn't know about Naboth's vineyard or, you know, all these other little stories. And so when our pastor was preaching along, he'd get going and he'd go, and he'd go, and you know the rest of the story. And I'm like, I don't know the rest of the story. So anyway, there were times that I wouldn't go to stuff like these Bible studies and stuff that I would want to go to. They sounded interesting to me, but I wouldn't go because I was afraid somebody would call on me to turn to the book of Second Opinions or something. I wouldn't be able to, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to find it in there. I wouldn't be able to like, participate meaningfully in the conversation. You know? And, I, and that was enough anxiety in me that I said, you know, I guess I'm just not ready to be a real Christian. It was, it was strange. Probably nobody in the room can relate to what I'm talking about, right? So we started this thing (laughs) called Discipleship Training 100, which is like no experience necessary. I mean, tonight I will literally start the class by saying, in an adaptation from Vince Lombardi's famous line, I will say, ladies and gentlemen, this is a Bible. And we will start there. And that starts tonight. We'll cover topics such as, in the course of the six weeks, such as prayer, how to get your prayer life going, how to make a daily connection with God, so it's not just about what's happening on Sundays, um, about worship. Like, some of you are in here, like, going, yeah, you go, whoa, there are people in here, Marie, who are going, whoa, what? Why are these people doing this? I don't get this, this, this. Oh, I want to teach you about that, you know, help you sort that out. Uh, also, temptation is one of the lessons. I don't know, does anybody besides me struggle with temptation from the enemy? I'd like to give you some tools for dealing with that. So that's what discipleship training 100 is about. It's a fresh start. It's uh, about getting going with absolutely no experience necessary. And you might be saying, well, if there's a DT100, is there a 200? And the answer is, yeah, and a 300 and a 400. And each one of these steps just sequentially takes you along in the development of your life and your character and your walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, And so anyway... That all starts tonight. Uh, The invitation to DT100 is the only one you'll ever hear publicly. Why? Because we insist that anybody, that everybody starts there. I don't, you know, you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years. Great. You start at DT100 just like everybody else. So you're never going to hear an announcement, hey, come to 200. Here's what it's about. The only people who get invited to that are those who complete 100, right? And we just give you know, just contact them. So I just wanted to be real clear on that. Um, We're just, we're not being mean. We just think that that everybody will benefit. And we've seen people who have walked with Jesus for a long time and go through DT100 and they're going, I'm glad I took that. You know, there were a couple of dots that I missed along the way. And and some of you maybe want to, you've taken it and you want to take it again. That's great. It's a refreshing restart. I'm all about that. So it's open enrollment tonight at 6 o'clock, tonight, 
6 o'clock, open enrollment. Uh, just come. BYOB. Bring your own Bible, right? Okay. DTs, BYOB, you know. It's who we are. Woohoo, yeah. I get the woohoo for worship over here. I get the woohoo for BYOB over here. Uh, God, what have you done? If you don't own a Bible, come anyway. I'll give you one. Give you one that you can own. It'll be all yours, okay? So that's the first trip that I'm offering to you. Starts tonight at 6 o'clock. The second journey that I'm offering you is a journey through the Bible on Sunday mornings. Catch this. So when Karen and I went away in September and tried to pray for a couple of weeks just to sort some things out and ask the Lord some specific questions, one of my questions was about something I've always wanted to do, was to commit myself to teaching a series of messages from Genesis to Revelation. In other words, all the way through the Bible. I just always wanted to do that. I never felt like I got a green light from the Lord to make that kind of commitment, so I never did. But I got that green light from the Lord. And so I'm making that commitment. And, but here's the deal. What, what, how I see this unfolding is in 57 non-consecutive messages. <laughs> All right? All right. Some of you know a little bit about my history, why I would need to say that that way. Um, 57, first of all, 57, and, and some of you are saying, aren't there 66 books in the Bible? Why 57? Because if you condense like the first and seconds and like first, second, third John into one, you lose nine along the way, so you can do it in 57, okay? So just going to walk through each book. Why non-consecutive? Because of my history. Uh, I, I still haven't finished a, a series in Romans, thank you very much, that I started 15 years ago. Um, <laughs> And probably won't ever finish it. Some of, some of you may remember that. Um, but in any case, uh, here's the real deal on that non-consecutive thing. I, I, I feel like the Lord gives us permission to commit to, like, for now five weeks in the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But then I already, I already sense what he's calling us to do in the weeks before Easter. So we got we got a break from that. And give ourselves, always, always give ourselves to what the Lord is saying rather than some plan of a Paul Bald guy, right? And so that's the way that will roll. After the Easter, we'll probably do another section of through the Bible. But it'll be just sequentially, one book after the other. So you'll always know what next week's reading assignment is, okay? Does that make sense? All right? I mean, haven't you always wanted just to kind of say, could we just start at the beginning and work our way toward the back? Is it anybody? Okay, that's what we're, that's what we're, that's what we're planning on doing. Um, and what, what, I'll, what I'm planning to do each week is a survey treatment of, of one book of the Bible. And, and survey, as many of you know, is, is like kind of flying over high and looking at the, looking at the tall spots and it, giving you a broad idea of what that book is about, and then each week focusing on some pinpoint part of it, some pinpoint aspect of it that I think through prayer is the word of the Lord for us for the day. Because you don't just want to learn the Bible words. You want to get connected with the living word of God in the midst of it, right? And um, one of the things that I've noticed as I've been praying through each of these is that, is that the, the, 
the points that I think God is going to focus on each week as far as the word for us are a little irregular, which, you know, which kind of fit us, maybe. They're a little bit irregular. In other words, they're not like uh, David and Goliath passage, you know, and they're not the big stuff, but there's something peculiar in the book. For example, next week, I already feel drawn to, as the pinpoint word, uh, uh, deal with uh, Exodus chapter 4, where it says, and God was about to kill Moses. Have you ever read that? And God, what? Why why was God going to kill Moses, right? And so I'm going to give you my perspective on that. And and, uh, today, I think you'll see, is a little bit one of those peculiar spots in Genesis. But my sense is, is that that's the word of the Lord for us for the day. Okay, that's your actual connection. Is this making sense? So you're going to get a broad survey of the whole book and then a pinpoint look at some specific aspect of it. I feel like I should also warn you that I feel a little bit of liberty to um, go deeper than I've gone typically in my preaching and use bigger words, okay? So bring your phones with you, you know. It's okay if I see you doing this. I figure you're Googling transubstantiation or something like that, all right? Um, But here's why I feel that. It's because I'm so glad that after all this time, God has developed a way for us, for our middle school and our high school kids, to have an option for their own class, their own Bible, at their own level. And so I've always felt compelled with all that wide age span in the room to make everything I say accessible to everybody in the room, which I still do. But I always felt kind of restrained in kind of how fast I could go up. I feel like I, I feel like I have liberty now to. We'll start. We'll always start at the bottom because that's just my my thing, you know. Um, but we'll just climb faster. Is that you down with that? Is that good? Okay. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? <laughs> All right. That's just a warning. Okay. So if you go, what did he mean when he? Uh, just Google it. Somebody will know. Okay. But I hope you'll really go with me on both of these trips because they're meant to help you. I don't get extra money for teaching DT or anything. You know. I don't get paid by the person. These things are meant to help you, to strengthen you. How, how many of you in this room feel as though you have been helped, strengthened by our DT series at some point? See, so, so, so it works. We want, you to, we want you to get that. We don't want you to flounder around. We want to give you some direction. Um, and you might be wondering, well, does this mean that we're done with the God of this city theme? Not at all. That's the word of the Lord over us for a season. And so we'll be infusing that stuff into the teaching, no matter whether we're in through the Bible or wherever we are. Because that's just the way God works, I think. Okay? All right. Well, let's get going. Let's go with Genesis. You ready? Say yeah. Yeah. Please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis. Genesis as a word. Genesis is a word that means beginnings or origins. And not just for Phil Collins, by the way. (laughs) All right, then. Uh, But of the origins of... Well, I, I referenced journey in the first section, so I thought I better... Ask your parents. Okay? Oh, gosh. Okay, 
so the word means beginning or origins. Uh, it's really the origins of humanity. Where did we come from? How did we get started? Why are we here? And it's the beginnings of, of God's dealing with people. God's dealing with humankind. And uh, this is in terms of the context, which we're so fond of talking about here. The context, this is uh, the first book in a series of five commonly referred to as the Pentateuch. Say Pentateuch. That's kind of fun. Pentateuch originally um, comes from a longer Latin phrase, Pentatechos Biblos, which means five vessels of books. So Pentateuch, the tekos, actually means like vessels or carrier. So the Pentateuch in the word by itself, penta meaning five, as in a pentagon, uh, five vessels, and then Biblos uh, of the books, and that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Well, what, what's the vessels there for? Because it was common in the day, you know, you know these, these books, everybody didn't have a Bible, but these were written on these sacred scrolls that were, in very, were very scarce, and they were held inside these leather cases. These, so these are the five cases in, in old times. So the Pentateuch were the five vessels or the five cases. So if they said, do you have the Pentateuch? Do you have the five cases? They don't really mean the cases, but do you have the five scrolls? Okay. So that's the background on that, on that term. It's, these first five books of the Bible are commonly referred to as the Torah among Jewish people, which is the first part of the Tanakh, which is the larger body of teaching for, uh, for the Jews, including what we commonly refer to as most of the Old Testament now, and even some additional rabbinical tre- uh, teaching. Um, but the, this Pentateuch, these five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, were cherished by, the, by ancient Israel. Cherished. Because it defined them. It, it was the, their core identity. It said how they came to be. It talked about their early history of wandering in the wilderness, as we'll see next week, and making it to the place of God's promise. And then it also talks in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy about the law, the law of Moses, which defined who they were among all the people on the earth. This, this, was, their core, this was their identity statement. So you can see why they would, they would cherish it, yeah? Yeah, okay. There are three main storylines throughout the book of Genesis. The first five chapters deal with the creation and the fall of man. The account of how people came to be, how God made something amazing out of nothing, how, how, how people came, and then in chapter 3, and, and then fo- the following is the fallout of the fall when Satan came in and introduced original sin into the world and of which we're generational victims, and it's why we need Christ. So this stuff is very, very important for us. But the first, the first five chapters deal with the creation of man, the fall of man. Of course, there's a lot of controversy and sadly even division in the church over the details of the creation account. You know, there are some people who look at that and go, it was seven literal days, you know. Others who look at it and say, no, each one of those days would refer to a, an eon of uh, an archaeological era. And, 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 and people get pretty intense about, 
about this very subject. And I, I want to use that as an illustration to you folks to show you how committed the enemy is to dividing the church. You know? I mean, in the, at the end of the day, it's a ridiculous thing to divide over since nobody really knows the answer. It's a matter of faith either way. And I want, I want you to see how committed the devil is to dividing the church that it only took to the first chapter of the Bible to get us to draw lines, right? And the reason is, is because the devil fears a united church. The devil, the Bible says you are the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. That's when we're united. That's when we're in agreement. When we keep shoving each other into different camps and we don't concentrate on the core beliefs that join us, then we're divided and we're weakened. And I want you to see that point. But listen slowly, because some of you are going to want to take issue with what I'm about to say. Listen slowly to what I'm about to say. Listen. At the end of the day, the details of creation are not a salvation essential issue. There's nobody who knows Christ as their Savior who's going to get to the pearly gates, if you will, and be turned away because they had the wrong view of creation. You hear me? So I'm not saying it's not an important issue, and I respect those of you who have taken it on as an important issue. It is an important issue. Eschatology, the study of end times, is an important issue, but neither is it a salvation essential issue. So there's no reason, there's no reason to draw lines between you and somebody else over any issue that is not salvation essential. Now, if somebody tells me that Jesus Christ was not the Son of God, we're going to have words. I'm willing to draw a line because that's a salvation essential issue. Do you hear me? Okay. So hold the things that you hold to be important in close places. That's great. But let's not exclude each other to the point where we're saying, well, you know, they're really not in the camp. Because every time the devil succeeds in doing that, he weakens the church. You with me? Okay. Uh, so that's the first thing. The se- oh, I'm sorry. I don't need to do that. Uh-oh, will you fix that? Put it back where it was, would you? Thanks. <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't give me buttons. <laughs> hey. uh, you know, the only reason I do this myself, and st- I used to let them do that, is I hardly ever follow my notes, and so they're always back there going like, where is he? And, and then you're looking back there saying, come on, man, get on the right slide, dude. He's not talking about that. <laughs> so uh, it's a mess either way. But the second main theme, are we back there? We're getting there. Okay, is the flood, is the flood. Chapter 6 through 11 is the flood and the follow-up the, the follow of the flood, if you will. And I think what it says is that at some point very early in human history, with the post, um, with, the, with the, the, the created population, that God, God was willing to purposefully and purposely destroy the human race. Is that fraught with questions or what? Does that not make your head tilt going, I thought he was a loving God? It should. And that's not where we're camping today, so I don't have time to get my perspective on all that, but I did want to make these couple of points that the flood shows the length to which God is willing to go in order to carve out a place for his righteousness on the earth. 
Make sure you get that. You see the lengths God is willing to go to carve out a place for his righteousness on the earth. If there's no righteousness of God living among us, there's no life. We die. We, we die. So God's heart, he's willing to go to any length to create space for his righteousness. And also I want you to notice the, the pain that God is willing to endure in order to do that. Can you imagine the pain of the flood from God's point of view? These are people he created. He loved them. But he was willing to do this because there was no space for righteousness. And there's no no life for us, believers. Listen, you're a spiritual person. And if the righteousness of God isn't here, there's no life. Now, I want you to notice how both of these things, the lengths to which God was willing to go to make space for his righteousness, and the pain that he was personally willing to endure in order for that to happen, point to the cross. The lengths to which God was willing to go, and the pain he was personally willing to endure in seeing his own son punctured, hung on a cross. just shows how, how important the righteousness of God is to us. And, and now, and then Romans chapter 3 then says, and now righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known through his son Jesus Christ. I love that. And then the third part of uh, the third main storyline as we're kind of flying high over Genesis, is the call and the covenant of Abraham. 12 through 50 actually deals with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then a big section with Joseph, one of the sons, right? These are the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and uh, what was the third one? Jacob, good. I was just checking to see if you are listening. <laughs> you weren't, okay. But in this section, God would focus, among the whole post-flood population, God would focus... On a, on a particular people. He chose Abraham, whose, uh, whose name meant exalted father first, Abram. He changed it to Abraham in the covenant and called him the father of many nations. And he said to this childless father, he said, he said uh, your descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore, and through your descendants all nations will be blessed. And that's us, because Jesus Christ came from this line. And so this was the covenant, this was the call of Abraham. What's a covenant, you say? It's an irrevocable promise. It's a no-take-back promise. And God made that promise to us, that he loves us, he's going to make a way uh, for his people to know him. It's still the case. Anybody been reading the Bible? You get to 1 Peter, it's way toward the back, so it's okay if you're not there yet. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I've said it a thousand times in this church. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. You're part of the body. You're part of the chosen. You're part of the elect. You're part of that. And no matter where you line up on the Arminian Calvinist line, Chester, we've been arguing about this for 20 years, See, I told you, you know, Google it. Arminian Calvinist line. Arminian, that's what you are. Okay. (laughs) I love you, man. No talking. No talk. No talk. Oh, you can say that. Okay. No matter where you are, if you have a stirring inside your heart right now to know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, if there's a stirring in there that you just can't get away from, then you're part of the elect. 
and you should respond to that. If you weren't, you wouldn't have the stirring. Creates a lot of whole new questions, I know. Well, these are the major themes of the book of Genesis. I think there are many, many fascinating uh, stories and details that uh, encourage you to read it on your way to reading Exodus for next week, okay? But today I'd like to focus in as the Word of God, there we go, okay, on uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 for just a few minutes. Look at how it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I love this, these couple verses for a number of reasons. One is because the church is still united here. Nobody started to draw lines. No matter if you're like me, a young earth creationist, or somebody who believes in theistic evolution, or even intelligent design, we're still all in the same camp in the first two verses, right? I love this. The church is still strong in the first couple of verses. But what I want you to focus on is that last part today, because I think this is God's word for us. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. Isn't that a fascinating image? That somehow the Spirit of God, which is always meant as the manifest presence of God, is, is hovering over this unformed earth. It's hovering as though somehow God can be localized to this particular place. We see that this is something that God likes to do. If you've read ahead, you see that, that when, when the Israelites, they left Egypt and they're wandering around in the, in the wilderness on the way to the promised land, how did God lead them? But with the Shekinah glory, exactly, right? The, the cloud, the dark cloud of smoke during the day and the column of fire at night, would that rock or what? That'd make your day, wouldn't it? Now listen, what it shows us is that God has not only a way of, but a desire to localize himself. I know he's omnipresent. I know he's everywhere. I get that. But omnipresent simply means that God has the ability to be anywhere and everywhere, and that's different from this thing called pantheism. Pantheism is a way of... And I tell you we're going to have some bigger words? All right. Pantheism is... is that's John Denver religion, okay? That's, that's the gods in the forest and the trees and the rocks. And the, it, pantheism means that God is not only everywhere, but he is everything. So you're sitting on God right now because he's in that chair. All right? That's not the same as being omnipresent. God, God is a separate entity. God is a, he is not us, and he's not the chair. He's not this building. God is a holy, separate entity, righteous and pure altogether, but has the ability to be Anywhere he wants to be, even in multiple fashions, so that when Marie calls on God and he comes, doesn't take anything away from the presence of God in Peggy's life over here. I think it's important that we get this, because there's value in the understanding that the Lord loves to hover. I love this concept. You know what I'm talking about. He loves to hover. He loves to come and hover. The Hebrew word rachaf means to hover. It also means to relax. I love this, don't you? That the presence, the, the intensity of God, the presence of God, the Spirit of God came and relaxed over the uncreated earth. 
Almost like, I'm fixing to do something here. Come on, can't you feel that? He just comes and he just relaxes. I'm getting ready to do something. Same in the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, God came and relaxed over the infant church. I'm getting ready to do something here. Boom, the Holy Spirit came. People spoke in tongues. All kinds of amazing things happened. Acts chapter 4, just two chapters later, God was relaxing over the church. Verse 31 says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Boom! Boom! The release of the manifest presence of God who was relaxing, who was hovering. I love this part of God's nature. And this is obviously the point for us today, right? Is God is hovering over us. He's hovering over this city. That's why he's God of this city. I don't know whether to tell you this or not. But when I walk the wall, which for those of you who are new, it's the pathway around our church. I do it all the time. Many of you do too. I'm not at liberty to tell you everything that I I see. But I am able to tell you there's a covering over this very property. There's a covering over this place. And the covering is God himself. He's got the top covered. How many of you have experienced something like this, that you were in some frame of mind, and the minute your tires touched this parking lot, something switched, a gear switch? Anybody? Lots of you. You just came under the covering of God. And God, God is he's always here before we are. And he's everywhere, of course. But this is a localization of his presence for his purposes. And just the way God was over the unformed earth, getting ready to do something. Just the way he was over the church, getting ready to do something. I believe God is ready to do something here. I believe his timing, which is always perfect, is now. And he's just waiting for something from us, and that's a full surrender to him. A full surrender. Let me tell you something that has gone wrong, and it's really not your fault in the church, is that we are consumer Christians. Because we come from a consumer society, we tend to think of the church, of the move of God, even in this way, is that it's one of the many products that we use in our lives to enhance our lives. It's, one of the, it's a list of things. God is on the list of things that we do to have fulfillment in our lives. And I think as long as we look at God that way, saying, I'm going to go to the God store. I think I'll go to Tom's God store this morning. As long as we look at him that way, we actually limit the release of this. What, what I believe the Lord wants from us is an un, un, unlimited surrender and saying, God, I, I, what happens next is up to you. Where we go next is up to you. You can have it all. I'm pushing all my chips in now. You can have it all. But God is hovering over us today, and I believe just as he spoke creation into existence, I believe God is hovering over us to speak life into your life. Speak healing into your life. Speak relief into your life. Speak freedom into your life. To speak. You know, the Bible says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And I believe that's where we are as a church. He's here. We're ready. We just want to surrender to him and ask him.
to start speaking into our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the powerful word of your Bible. Thank you for your desire to localize yourself over us. We receive your love. We say we love you back, Lord. We love you too, Lord. And we're ready. We're ready for you to pour out your spirit on this place. Let the room shake. Let the wind blow, Lord. Let your power come. Lord, I, I have no interest in ho- hanging on to the reins of this church, Lord. It's your church. I ask you to come and to work powerfully and mightily among us. I pray for those now who really just need your word spoken into specific areas of their lives, places of failure, places of sin, places of, uh, of rejection and betrayal, places where they thought they could never be rescued from. I pray that you would show them that you spoke into this earth that was formless and empty, and you made such a beautiful thing out of it. Surely you could rescue somebody from drugs. Surely, Lord, that you could come and repair that marriage. Surely, Lord, you could come and bring life, God, into that person's life who's just thinking about ending it. Would you come now in the name of Jesus and just let the skies open up and fall down on us, Father God. This is just your time to have your own conversation with God. You don't need anybody standing between you and him. Just speak to him. Tell him what you what you feel like you need, what you're ready for. Surrender, push your chips in, whatever all this stuff means to you. Just Would you just do that right where you are with the Lord? You know, I love it when people come forward and we see a move of God up in this little localized area up here. But my prayer is that God would fall in every part of this room, on every heart, on every mind, every life. I pray that you'll release spiritual gifting in this room right now, Father God. Even the stuff that gives us trouble causes our heads to scratch, Lord. I pray that you'd come and release the dynamic of your Holy Spirit in this room. Father, to the measure that we are ready, by that character that you have built in us, by the the, the fruit of the Spirit, God, I pray that you'll come and release gifts now. Thank you, Father God. Come now. Come, Holy Spirit. Glorify yourself, Father. You glorified yourself in creation. At some moment, the relaxing was changed to action. The hovering reached down, formed this place. And now we pray that today is the moment where you will, where you will reach down.